Elvira here, back with a helping hand for Halloween. Coors Light, it's the official beer of Halloween. And just what an adult party needs to be a howling success. What? You don't believe me? What do you need, like a sign from above? Be sure to visit this display wherever you buy Coors Light. And it's just perfect for when friends drop in. Welcome to An Absolute Gag. It's the podcast where I like to talk to people about the moments or performances that left them speechless. I'm Tommy Bullington, and it's the Halloween episode. (laughs) Nobody is in this room while I'm doing this, and so uh, I feel great. Um, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. I cannot wait to do this very special episode. It's going to be such a blast. I'm so excited about my guests. My guests today are the co-hosts of a great podcast called The D Word Podcast. Uh, it's not what you think. <laughs> I've been a guest on there. Again, it's not what you think. Uh, Eric Barton and Evelyn Medina, and they are just two lovely, lovely human beings. They're married, which is whatever. I guess congratulations to them. They're straight married, whatever. Anyway, (laughs) they're so delightful, and their podcast is so wonderful. The episode that I'm on is a blast and a half. I highly recommend going to your podcast apps and subscribing and downloading the D Word podcast. And so today I can't wait to get into our topic together. And we're going to do something a little different because it's Halloween. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But first, let's go to our charity focus of the week. Our charity focus, brought to us today by Eric and Evelyn, is Project Fierce Chicago. Project Fierce Chicago seeks to create affirming transitional housing for LGBTQIA plus youth in Chicago that is responsive to the needs of young people. By mobilizing our communities, we provide pathways to independence. Oh, I love this. Okay, so this is my first time hearing about Project Fierce Chicago, or as I like to call it, Project Fials. (laughs) Wow. Anyway, uh, they sound absolutely wonderful. This is so great because... It is well known that an epidemic in this country is that LGBTQIA plus youth end up homeless because their families forget the meaning of families. And so then they're left out on their own, which is so upsetting. And uh, I'm so glad that places like Project for Chicago exist to provide them the needs that they require. So this is such a fabulous, fabulous 
charity. I'm so excited that it was brought to us today. If you want to learn more about the project, you can go to www.projectfearschicago.com. And they have all kinds of resources, including a donate button. So it is my pleasure to donate today in the name of Eric and Evelyn to Project Fierce Chicago. And that is our charity focus of the week. Okay, so I don't want to hesitate any longer. We have to get into this episode because it's crazy. I've always wanted to uh, host a game show. This is as close as I think I'll get to hosting a game show. Oh, man. Did you guys hear that wheeze? Oh, God. I'm dying. Uh, <laughs> y'all, it's it's Halloween. It's getting close to um, the scariest time of uh, our lives, uh, the election. (laughs) So, you know, there's a lot going on. So I hope that I'm able to, with Eric and Evelyn, kind of give you guys a little reprieve from the world for a second and just enjoy this just wonderful, wonderful conversation. So I'm going to toss it over to my interview with Eric and Evelyn from the D Word podcast about their Absolute gags. It's plural. (laughs) Again, that wheeze. (laughs) It's episode 12. Uh, if you can't tell already, it's my Halloween episode of an absolute gag. Hey, where'd you go? Was it to one of those mega like Halloween costume stores that are always <laughs> in an empty Walgreens or something? You should, and I hope that you did, and I hope you bought some costumes because we're about to have a spooky night. My guests tonight, oh, I love them so much. They are the co-hosts of a podcast called The D Word Podcast, and it's not exactly what you think it's about. It's about Disney movies. And I was on over the summer to talk about High School Musical 2, or White Privilege, the musical, as I called it. <laughs> but I'm so excited that they're here. Please welcome to the pod, Eric Barton and Evelyn Medina. Yay! Oh, hello, Tommy. Oh, hello. We're here. Hello. I guess we I'm, should have asked you beforehand if we can curse on this podcast, because oh. that's kind of our whole thing. <laughs> Go the fuck ahead. Uh, we were so nervous. We were like, oh my god, can we swear on this podcast? I, I don't remember from that was previous like, if episodes. If Christina was on the show, I'm sure they could curse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So everybody who's been on has just been foul-mouthed. So. Excellent. <laughs> Perfect. So how are you doing with everything considered? Oh, man. I mean, I... I'm maintaining, I guess. I There's, I, I just feel like everyone at this point is just trying to stay afloat and just not, you know, yes. lose their shit on random people. It's like we learned yeah. about when you finally saw High School Musical. You got to stick to the status quo. <laughs> Can't. There it is. There it is. It's it's always going to be there. 
Uh, you all have been doing some really fun Halloween-themed episodes. Uh, you got kind of a jump start into September. I especially enjoyed the Twitches episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I love Tia and Tamara Mowry, and I'm obsessed with them. Also, did you know that Sister Sister appeared on the uh, Nielsen ratings for streaming content as, like, it broke into the top 10 of the most streamed things recently. Yes. Because ever since it got put on Netflix, like, people have just been watching Sister Sister, I guess, which is great. <laughs> oh, 100%. I damn near lost it when I saw that Sister Sister was streaming on Netflix. I It, it was like fate. It's. I've it, been waiting. It was like a couple of weeks in a row. It was like Moesha's on Netflix, and Evelyn was like, "Eric, yeah. Moesha's on Netflix," and I was like, "I've never seen Moesha." And then, like two weeks later, Eric, Sister Sisters on Netflix. Okay, two weeks later, Eric, Girlfriends is on Netflix. Like, like I'm, I'm gonna have to start schooling him on '90s UPN because yes. listen, oh, it's the best. I'm still waiting for. Homeboys from outer space to appear. (laughs) Could you imagine if that was dropped on Netflix? I would, I would be obsessed with it. This is, this is literally like how, when Evelyn like comes up with a new horror movie, she's like, Eric, have you seen, um, I'm just going to use killer clowns from outer space because (laughs) she owns it on Blu-ray. One of the best movies ever made. And it's like, have you seen killer clowns from outer space? I'm like, I, what you just you put four words together and are acting like this is a thing honestly what most 80s horror movies are all about just four words together basically (laughs) so this is a very special episode so usually at this time i would ask eric and evelyn what is your absolute gag but I asked you already uh, when I uh, asked you to be on the show. Sorry. (laughs) I asked you already when I asked you to be on the show. And you provided me with some special moments. So just in general, Eric and Evelyn, what is your absolute gag? Um, My absolute gag is special moments. The little uh, figurine. (laughs) Uh, no, uh, our, our, our absolute gag is uh, movie effects. Awesome. Magical. These movie special effects are part of a whole revolution in sight and sound entertainment. Today's advancements in technology are propelling filmmakers, musicians, visual and sound artists of all kinds into new realms of expression and expanding the very nature of entertainment itself. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but we were talking about it. We figured out it was mostly just like practical effects. Yeah. Yeah. I was noticing that too as I was looking through the the list that you gave me. So we're gonna do for the first time ever. We're having a gag roulette. So yes. Eric and Evelyn have given me multiple small moments that they would love to talk about. And I have created a roulette wheel, and we're going to spin and chat about whatever it lands on and just go from there, okay? Are you all ready? Oh, this is so exciting. Spin that wheel, Tommy. (laughs) Listen, I I have been ready. I woke up this morning. I was like, absolute gag day. Yes. (laughs) I'm ready. All right. 
Here we go. Spin. Ooh, the first moment is the tunneler from the oh movie my God. Puppet Master. <laughs> so, yeah. So my so my choice, one of my choices from this was uh, it's a puppet called the Tunneler in this really not great horror movie <laughs> franchise called the Puppet Master. Ugh. This, <laughs> like, there's very certain moments that stick with you as a kid whenever you're just stumbling upon horror, especially when it's on like TV and you it's, you're just going through. You have no context for what's going on. You just stumble upon a kill, and it <laughs> literally haunted me for. <laughs> I'm going to say up until this very moment, uh, it's, <laughs> it was this guy who was like, apparently he was like, I think he was like drunk or something. And he was just like reclining in bed. And this little yeah. guy hops up on his chest. This little guy. And in my, <laughs> I, in my head, it's so terrifying. It's like a, a real puppet who they gave life to jumps yeah. onto his chest and he takes his hat off and he has a drill on top of his head and he just starts like his namesake tunneling into the guy's forehead and just the guy in his eyes open up and he is very alert about what's going on right now <laughs> but aware. he just gets killed <laughs> so hard yeah that that blew my mind because i've never seen so i had a total aversion to horror movies growing up and stuff but specifically haunted dolls or haunted puppets by get me the fuck out of here. Oh, Tommy. Uh what was that movie we watched recently where I even like I'm I'm I would like to say like legally I'm a I'm a grown ass man. And I we watched it was it called Toys or Dolls? Dolls. Dolls? Yeah. Like it's I had never seen this movie before. And we watched it within the last three months, and I was still like, this is fucking... (laughs) Who decided to make this scary movie? For what reason? It it even took me, like, months and months of work to work myself up to read uh, Night of the Living Dummy, the Goosebumps book. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, that that book, when I was a kid, I was probably the only kid in my school that went to the library and actually read those Goosebumps books. Night of the Living Dummy was the first Goosebumps book I ever read, and that book gave me nightmares. I'm not even kidding. For weeks, that oh, yeah, that fucking book is so scary. <laughs> I remember in I remember in Night of Night of the Living Dummy two, um, Slappy, uh, they get they put their hand up inside of him, and they find this weird purplish thing that, like, when you read it, you're like, oh, they yes. found his brains. Yeah. And they're just like, yeah. oh, it must have been an old sandwich. And they just like throw it away. <laughs> and it's sandwich. just like. <laughs> it checks out. I keep my sandwiches it, and my like dummies. Horrifying. <laughs> it's absolutely horrifying. <laughs> and then when you so, see him on the Goosebumps TV show, he's just cutting jokes and everything. You're like, oh, oh okay, yeah. Slappy's not so bad. He's, he's like, LOL. <laughs> so let me, let me ask you, what is it? Is it just the shock that gagged you as a child seeing that? Like just a person, just a little doll drilling through a head. <laughs> um, what happened was when, I, when, I, was a, when I was a kid and I, I feel yeah. like still like I get fixated on stuff pretty easily. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just saw it and I was like, 
I have never seen, like, I've never seen a horror movie at that point. So I was just like, what is this? And it was the same thing of like, um, like the same, uh, like the same time I first saw like a trauma film. (laughs) And it's just like, you're just seeing something you've never seen before. And you're just like, you can't take your eyes off of it. No. Oh and God. Then your, your mind is still like, <laughs> process- like I haven't rewatched those movies kind of because I don't want to like, if you ever like rewatch something when you're a kid, and you're like, Oh, that wasn't as good as I thought it was. I don't really want to uh-huh. mess with that nostalgia of being terrified. Like I don't really know the storyline of the puppet master except there must be some person who made the puppets at some point And then they, you know, went bad. Um, but I don't really want to mess with that memory of like a kid hiding behind a couch, like wondering like yeah. why they're showing this on USA up all night. <laughs> and just it like, it was always that it was always that always on the USA network. Yes. I mean, I think that's where I saw my first, uh, uh, Friday the 13th film as well. I'm pretty sure that that was where I saw my first horror movie on USA. <laughs> uh, US, the yeah. USA network has a lot of explaining to do in the horror community. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They, they used to show the most like the, the adult stuff like later on in the evening. And most of it was just <laughs> horror, but like, Oh my God, they used to freak me out too. I, yeah, I think this is a great choice and it is super fascinating. I don't know how they did it. I don't know. I guess the puppet, I guess it was stop motion or something. Cause it's like, it's pretty fluid for stop motion. It's not, it's not like, what do I want to say? Like jerky at all. You know, he kind of like goes straight into that guy's head. <laughs> yeah. Wild. I mean, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Like I, we, uh, I, I was watching stop motion from like a very young age. My dad was always a big fan of, uh, there's a stop motion animator called Ray Harryhausen. Oh yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And he did movies like uh, clash of the Titans. He did. Uh, oh gosh. I think it was clash of the Titans. Uh, also like uh, uh, Jason and the Argonauts. Mm-hmm. And so he did all these, like it was like real people fighting with like claymation, stop motion skeletons. Yeah. This was not that this looked really, as as far as my memory goes, it looked really good. Oh yeah. Um, But even when we were watching dolls, like it was like a stop motion doll, like sawing a woman's leg off. And it was still like, Whoa, like they put time into this. (laughs) Oh, I love it. All right. On to our next spin. Here we go. go. It landed on Videodrome. That's what Evelyn gave me. Talk to me about Videodrome. Oh my god, Videodrome. Okay, so have you ever seen this movie? So I it's a Cronenberg, right? Yes. Yeah, so I have seen uh, most of my experience with horror films and stuff is from watching YouTube reviewers and essayists do like a video uh, overview of it. So I'm familiar with Videodrome. I've never seen the actual movie, but I have seen clips from it. And I know that it's a lot of like body horror and like, mm-hmm. like connections of like, he's got a gun that's attached to his hand and like all this like, 
and there's a video cassette tape in his, his stomach. Like, it's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> and that is just the tip of the iceberg with this movie. It's, <sighs> it, it's, so I just watched this movie for the first time a couple weeks ago, and it was my very first Cronenberg, and it is probably the weirdest, sexiest movie I think I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, I finished this movie, and I just didn't know how to feel. Like, oh, that was sexy, but should I feel this way? Like, it, yeah. it was it was really weird. It was very conflicting. Um <laughs> But, okay, so basically, long story short, Videodrome, it follows a man, I forget his name, I think it's Max or something. Um, He runs a Canadian uh, broadcasting show. It's called Civic TV, I believe. Uh Um, And basically, this channel airs, like, everything from softcore porn to, like, hardcore like violence like just and everything in between it's a really weird channel um and he's just he's really fed up with what they're playing like he's not satisfied he thinks the station needs to step it up and one of his uh one of his it guys i believe he is he stumbles across this uh broadcasting of a snuff film called videodrome and they apparently like the it's broadcasting from like Malaysia or something. And it's just the the video that they find is just like really weird. Like, I don't want to say weird, you know, you're into what you're into, but like sexual, <laughs> like, like hardcore sexual you scenarios. Wanna, you don't want to yuck their yum. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no kink shaming. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> no, no, no. I will not kink shame. No, you um, But yeah, so they, they find this video called Videodrome and slowly max starts becoming obsessed with like where the video is coming from and like what's going on in the video and just basically the the movie is about technology kind of consuming our lives and technology like becoming an extension of who we are which yeah oddly enough the movie came out in like the early 80s and that's still pretty fucking relevant today <laughs> yeah yeah that seems to be a very cronenberg like theme that he likes to touch on because of course uh topical but um the fly (laughs) uh speaking of politics the fly (laughs) and politics this week um now the fly the film with jeff goldblum is of course (laughs) all about like science and what happens when a person tries to play god so like he always does these kind of films it seems that explores what happens when man gets too much power, like yeah. in certain ways. He's also weirdly fascinated by how our body reacts to external stimuli. Yes. Um, one of his first movies is called the brood and it's just about oh God, how anger can create these weird tumors and so it's this person going through this anger management thing and all these people are like, don't go. You get these weird tumors. And this is not a spoiler. It's just what the movie's about. Yeah. Um, and his ex-wife is doing this and it turns out her anger is so great. It's creating these tumors that turn into children. And so you have these little anger children running around and taking care of people who are angering her. And so, and she becomes like this mother to all these 
tumor children who are like, <laughs> and it's one of the most like beautiful and terrifying and gross movies. Like all of his movies <laughs> are just that way. I'm just gross. Like, I mean, he just loves an excessive amount of not only just blood, but like any other fluid like in <laughs> the body. Cause that's what I think about with the fly. I mean, it's just like green goo and everything. And of course in Videodrome, the wildness of, I, I mean, I saw the clip of it, but like the VCR, like in the stomach and like, yeah so the yeah it's the the practical effects in this movie just the whole reason i wanted to do this as one of my gags is just because they are so gross and like obviously they're they're practical effects but they like the fact that they most of them are they're like body horror it just it freaks me the fuck out and it's just they were all as cheesy as they were for 1983. They were so brilliant. Yeah. And the fact that Rick Baker did these special effects, who also did work on American Werewolf in London, it uh-huh. just it blew my mind. Like this guy is a, a fucking master at his craft. Yeah, he was he was the best. He was the best. I mean, there's a reason why he was the one that everybody went to for anything and they were so the thing with uh rick baker is that you you just had to say you know this is what i'm thinking and he there's no uh there's no walls for him he's just like he's like yeah no i could do that and you're (laughs) like oh okay (laughs) yeah and i'm pretty sure he was he was fresh off of his oscar win from werewolf in london as well when he started doing this so yeah Rick Baker, we, he's mm. we love it. Oh. Yeah, Chef's kiss. <laughs> good, good choice. Good choice. Video drum. Okay, next up. Here we go. <laughs> okay, so we have Throne of Blood and a ghost scene. Yes. Okay. So this is not some. This is the most practical effect I've ever seen. It's just one camera movement and. The way – so this is a movie by Akira Kurosawa. It's a samurai take on Macbeth. Oh, I and didn't know that. So during this scene, um, the main character is gr- – he's dealing with the fact that he's killed someone. And he's in this court – This uh, the scene in the court, and everyone's just kind of sitting around. But the way that Kurosawa frames things is so masterful – and you can tell he just knows exactly what to do in any given shot. Yeah. And so in this scene, he's gripping with what he's he's thinking. And then he just sees the ghost of the person that he's killed. And it's just a person sitting there in like ghosty makeup. And this is like a black and white film. So you're like, oh, that's kind of terrible looking. <laughs> but it's just this one camera pan where he sees them. And then he runs over to confront him and just the camera moves and the ghost is gone. And it's just a beautiful, just one small movement. And then you see him get there and realize the ghost is gone. Everyone's like, what are you doing? He's like, oh my God, I'm going crazy. And it's just such a small thing that creates such a brilliant mood for the rest of the piece. Mm -hmm. And especially when we're talking about like practical effects, like gore and like body horror and, sp- and we were just watching um, 
the new Bly Manor. Oh, yeah. yeah. So no, no never- spoilers on that. Yeah. But he, <laughs> if you've ever seen uh, The Haunting of Hill House, mm-hmm. he loves to create mood by putting things in the background. Uh, yes. And you, if you don't see it, you don't see it. But once you see it, it scares the it's shit out of you. horrifying, yeah. Yeah. And so it's that kind of attention to like creating an atmosphere that's scary rather than just like jump scares. Yeah. There is I I love a good like close up shot of somebody and the camera's like moving with that person in such a way that you do catch like in the background just something is off, you know? And that is so that's such a smart and easy thing to do when you think about it. You're like, oh, this is we don't have to worry about too much like special yeah. effects to like do a simple camera movement. But it's also kind of a flex at the same time to put it yeah. in the shot. Because if it didn't work, that's the shot you got. And so yeah. you, you just have to live with that. Whereas like CG stuff, you can like insert it and eh, it didn't work. Let me just move it this way. And eh, let me try to get this way. So it's just a real masterful approach to horror um yeah now you've seen more i mean cgi sucks you can say it it's fine i i'll get into that (laughs) um but you've seen more like old school haunted house things like um 13 ghosts 13 ghosts super old school with matthew lillard no not that one the one with uh vincent classic matthew are you thinking of house on haunted hill house on haunted hill okay very different (laughs) Tony Shalhoub was in it. (laughs) Hello. Vincent Price, Tony Shalhoub, Matthew Lillard. They were all there. You've seen classics like Happy Death Day. (laughs) Yeah, just really old school films. (laughs) I'm talking like back to the back to the origination of film with like uh Urban Legend and and uh uh you know uh Listen, you joke, but I love her religion. <laughs> I kept wanting to s- cut it out. I kept trying to think of the faculty, but all I wanted to say was high fidelity. Oh, and I was like, faculty. just don't say high fidelity. <laughs> high faculty. High faculty. Yes. <laughs> or the fidelity, whichever one. <laughs> yeah. So talk to me about Kurosawa. How do you say his name? I'm Akira sorry. Kurosawa. Kurosawa. Yeah. Do you. Are you a fan of his? Have you seen a lot of his films? I have seen a lot of his films. Um, especially there's uh, he basically is the Spielberg of Japanese cinema. Okay, yeah, that's how that's how I know him. Like, yeah. kind of, he's the one they write the the YouTube essays about. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that I um, watch before bedtime. <laughs> he just he. It it was just a weird thing that he just started creating these these movies that are just you go back and it's not even the ones you think of it's not all seven samurai if you ever watch a movie he did called High and Low which is about a it's a it's like a noir about a a, a ransom and a kidnapping oh wow and so the very end of that the the way they shoot just the the detectives talking to the parents like that framing's beautiful but then the last like ten minutes of the movie is you're just following the kidnapper while he's being tailed by the police and he knows he's being tailed by the police. And so he just kind of lets it all drop. 
And he just kind of wanders through these kind of dark alleys and these bars. And they're just following him like, what? what's he doing? And he's just kind of, for the first time, being who he is. And it's very unnerving because sometimes like you, because you want a reason for why people do the things they do. And then you watch this whole scene and you're just like, wow, he just, he never really had a chance. And it's just really, he, he does really interesting things that make really powerful moments that you can just go back to and study, especially if you want to, and you'll just see films that you're watching now while watching those older films of his. That is, that's so cool. I, I should get into more of his work because I feel like everybody who loves film loves Kurosawa and it's like, it's like kind of that thing of like, oh, have you not seen one? <laughs> and Did I you feel like- not spend three hours watching Seven Samurai? You guys are so sophisticated with your movies. Like I'm out here watching like Leprechaun and 13 Ghosts and you guys are out here flexing with your actual films. <laughs> I will see myself out. Thank you. <laughs> that brings this us is to awkward. Leprechaun in space. <laughs> oh man oh the leprechaun series (laughs) i so two of my good friends they love watching horror movies every night of of the month of october and they finally watched leprechaun and (laughs) evelyn does too i mean Uh, they watched leprechaun and my friend was like that's a bad movie. Did it's you know so that? Bad. Like, yes. <laughs> we all know. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. It's the the bad guy from Pee Wee's Big Adventure, uh Ugh. Jennifer Aniston, uh and it's just not good. I'm oh, pretty sure God. when they re-released it with her on the front cover, it's a photo of her from like while she was in Friends. It wasn't even a photo of her from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> then just photoshop it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Why not? All right. I mean, oh, sorry, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. I was just talking about how great no. Warwick Davis is. <laughs> just in life. No, Warwick Davis is an icon. Warwick <laughs> Davis himself, he's a gag. I no. love Warwick Davis. Honest, I- honestly, like not to make this a Leprechaun slash Warwick Davis episode, but as bad as Leprechaun is... Warwick Davis is he's giving 100% with what he's given in that movie. Yeah. He is yes. perfection. And he always has and like his dedication to his creature roles and stuff. He treats them so he just treats them with so much care and so much heart and like he's just putting in so much work into each of his his roles that are so great. Um of course Willow is like Willow. Uh, Willow Willow is like a film that that I know a lot of people were like like grew up on. They mm-hmm. just love that movie. And of course, he's vital and important to it. <laughs> Every time I think of Willow, I, I end up thinking of the movie Legend. Oh yeah. <laughs> with Tom Cruise. Tom yes. Cruise in a medieval fantasy film. Tim Curry plays the literal devil. Yeah. Oh, good. Who wants to kill all the unicorns? Monster. It's a wild movie. And then uh there was the movie Lady Hawk during that time. Oh Did- my gosh, Lady Hawk. <laughs> I have never seen that either. Oh, now we're just homework to do. 80s fantasy. <laughs> yeah, 80s fantasy is Beastmaster. Uh, Conan? So Red Sonia? Oh, uh, they're all oh, so good. Trash. 
and so good. The best kind of trash. It's like you thought watching the original Hercules TV show, they didn't have any money? No. No. These other <laughs> these other films had no money. Oh my gosh. Uh, all right, here we go. Spinning the wheel for our next gag. It landed on the movie Wishmaster. Ooh. Let's talk about bad movies. <laughs> So listen, I will defend this movie until the day I die. It's it's not great. I'll admit it. But I feel like not enough people talk about this gem from the 90s. Right. The it is a a practical effects masterclass. I mean, I wouldn't say masterclass, but it is full of practical effects, like from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. And they are so gross and so ridiculous. (laughs) And obviously, there were far better examples that I could talk about on this podcast. But the (laughs) the reason I wanted to talk about Wishmaster is because it came out in, I want to say, 97. Um, So this was... Like CGI was a thing at this point. So it was kind of on the cusp where like practical effects were kind of out the door and CGI was like everywhere. Like CGI is obviously a lot easier. It's a lot cheaper. Nobody really wants to work with practical effects anymore. This movie in particular was a weird blend of both practical and CGI. And it's not to like talk shit about cgi but i will it's (laughs) this movie is a really good example of how superior practical effects are over cgi just because the the moments of of cgi in this movie they're they're not great but then you cut to like a practical effect where a skeleton is literally crawling out of its body and it's absolute perfection is this who directed this? Isn't a Wes Craven, is it? Is Wishmaster? No, it's no. no. Uh, Wes Craven was the executive producer, which he got it. Is that he, one of those things where it's like Wes Craven's Wishmaster? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. His his name was above the title, so he got a lot of credit for this movie. Um, but the actual director was Robert Kurtzman, who also did the practical effects. Yes, and who is kind of iconic and like yeah, does he do the walking dead yeah uh he- yeah he worked on the walking dead predator mm-hmm. alien um he also did pumpkin head as well yeah he's 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 kind- amazing he's kind of everything as far as like practical effects go you know uh beyond like i think the people who we talked about earlier you know uh ray harryhausen and like um rick baker and stuff i feel like Robert Kurtzman was like the Kurtzman was like the next generation. Like it was like yeah. his next move and stuff. So oh yeah, he's like he's iconic. But um what's the one special effect that like gets you every time? Is it the skeleton moment? It, yeah, it's it's for sure the skeleton <laughs> moment because it just it happened out of nowhere. Like it happened. Okay, so so the movie is, I think, beautifully bookended by these two scenes. They both happen in like large gatherings. So in the very beginning, the movie opens up in like Persia, like in I don't know, way back in the day, 
And it's just like a gore fest of this genie killing people. Like trees are growing out of people's heads and like weird creatures are crawling out of their mouths. And then there's this fucking skeleton. Like this guy starts just, he falls on the floor. He starts writhing. And then you see his chest just slowly open up and his skeleton just starts coming out of his body. (laughs) Are you kidding me? This is perfection. (laughs) <laughs> I just it's insane. I just realized I should have I sh- what I should have put on there was uh, Hellraiser. Oh, oh well, Hellraiser. with the body I, coming out of the floorboards. Oh, ew! I can't even. I can't even watch any of Hellraiser. Like, I just am like, bleh, bleh, oh. <laughs> they're so gooey. It's it's wonderful. Oh, I um. So I think Wishmaster was Wishmaster before or after Scream, the first Scream movie. It was right after Scream, which okay. is which is kind of why I mean obviously the movie is not great, but it's kind of why I think it's kind of why that movie was so overlooked because mm-hmm. it was right after Scream, it was the same year as Scream 2 and it okay. was like basically just like if you're not Scream then who the fuck are you? Nobody cares. <laughs> Also, I think the thing is, uh, what's really interesting about the Wishmaster, and especially the performance of the, like, titular character, is this is definitely trying to recreate Freddy, in a way. Oh, for sure. Because, like, the one, uh, like, one of the clips that I watched was just, like, when he, like, turns back into his, like, genie self and she, like, freaks out. The woman freaks out and he goes, the shit has hit the fan. And, like, yeah. you're just like, what is this Typical like? genie. Uh, that genie. <laughs> yeah, th- this movie just came at a really weird time. And it was also, like, the 90s, too. It, they The 90s were not the greatest for horror. They were great for genie movies. They were great for Aladdin, genie movies. Aladdin. Oh, yeah. Kazam. Shazam. Kazam. <laughs> Obviously. Remember but when... Yeah. Remember when the internet thought Sinbad was in Kazam and not Shaquille <laughs> O'Neal? <laughs> Sorry. Damn internet. <laughs> that was wild. <laughs> oh, it must be some sort of parallel reality. I don't think that's what that is. No, no, no. I don't think that's what that is, internet. <laughs> internet, have a seat. <laughs> <laughs> You're obviously thinking of First Kid, by the way. Oh. Uh, Great movie. <laughs> I love First Kid. <laughs> All right, so here we go. The next gag is... Here we go. One of the most iconic scenes in all of film, the T-Rex chase scene in Jurassic Park. Eric... Take it away. Tell me this, tell me what it is about this this scene that still really works. So this movie, okay, so we I I was really not allowed to watch this movie growing up because it was frightening. Um <laughs> like and we watched this we put this movie on in science class when I was in school. And I was like, oh, I, but but the problem was I wasn't allowed to, my, my, my mom was a teacher. And so she was like, he's not allowed to watch the big, scary dinosaur stuff. So I would get up and go to a different part of the classroom. (laughs) 
That's so embarrassing. And I would just hear what was going on. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. Oh, I um, love that. <laughs> but when I finally saw it, it's it is one of the best scenes in a movie. The way it builds, it it does that Spielberg build to a scene. Like it doesn't just go yeah. all at once. It's like okay, um, the 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 now they, the 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 cars have stopped. Okay, we need to get someone to get the cars. Well, something's not working. Okay, well now the electric the electric fence is down. Yeah. Now he has these goggles. Okay, and then you just see that the goat's gone. Yeah. <laughs> and that where's the leaves, goat? Yeah, and he leaves the kids in the truck. He, like, he leaves the kids. <laughs> he left us. He left, he left us. us. But that's not <laughs> what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Oh. And so he's already he fucks off to the bathroom whenever the T Rex shows up. But the the like you can't tell me now that that's not a real T Rex. <laughs> I, <laughs> Obviously, I that's I went, a real T Rex. I went and saw the the remaster in theaters, and I was like, "This is exactly how I remember it." Yeah, it was so like such a scene that is so ingrained. In your memory, just like seared into your brain, that scene. Because it was the perfect combination. I do think that this is one of the few times that like practical and CGI worked really well together. And it was so important, though, for us to see the practical T-Rex first before we saw anything CGI with him. Yeah. Or with her. They they were all women. Um <laughs> So they like seeing that T-Rex lift up with the chain dangling out of his mouth and all that stuff. And just like, so good. Oh, it was so good. And it's all, yeah, good. Still the scene. It's still the part of the scene that gets me is when he, or sorry, when she, (laughs) I keep on forgetting this. When the T-Rex. It's like the most important part of the plot, Tommy. (laughs) Dano DNA. The T-Rex goes through the sunroof. Oh my god, yes. The the window, the plexiglass window on top of the Jeep. And the kids are like holding it up. Trying to hold it up. And then when the truck gets flipped and they're about to drown in mud, they will either die by drinking mud or by being eaten alive that's your only two options that is honestly and then they're like no 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 they could also fall to their deaths <laughs> that's probably the scariest scene in that movie like if you guys haven't scared me enough just go ahead and flip that car and just you know my my claustrophobia is just at a 10 right now cool now i'm gonna drown oh dope uh, okay well, i just love it I love that they show so little of it. Like they show its claws testing the electric fence. Right. And then they show like a glimpse of its side. And then by the time they show you the entire thing, you're like, holy shit. This is, (laughs) this is very bad. Um, Uh. But the work that Stan Winston did, like I I was watching a a making of documentary and it's just like, he did a, a fifth of a scale model first and like hand sculpted. And then they just built that out of like a frame. And then they took pieces of plywood that they cut to shape. And the inside of the T-Rex looks like one of those wooden 
sculpting toys that you get at like a museum. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I've... then they just kind of put a thing like skin over it. Yeah. Hand sculpted all the scales and everything. And you just see it on the screen. And what the CG does is it just helps it. It doesn't, it's not all you see is CG. Right. Right. And the CG is brought in when it's like necessary, which is of course when it's like actually chasing them in the, the Jeep. And even like, I'm still amazed at how the set around that set piece moved. So like the tree breaking and like, all that stuff. Like, I don't know how that all works. I'm just like <laughs> so fascinated by it. I, when a, when an environment reacts to a, a character that's not there, it's such a like childish thing for me to be like, still be like, well, ooh, what, how did that go? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think that there's a, um, what happens is whenever you like really like something like practical effects, I feel like there's like a a moment where you're like, I'm either going to learn how to do this or I'm just not going to learn. Yeah. And I'm either going to enjoy it as a viewer or I'm just going to teach myself how to do it. And then I'm going to enjoy it in an entirely different context. And that's one of those things I'm like, you know what? I don't need to know. I Spielberg, what he can do in that scene, like, I don't need to know how he did it. It's just, it's amazing just to see. It's like a magic trick. Yeah. It's yeah. like pro wrestling. It's like <laughs> it's like pro wrestling. It's just like pro wrestling. I don't really need to get Thank in the you. ring because <laughs> that looks really painful. But it does look real painful, so I'll take their word for it. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys have fun. I'm just gonna enjoy this the way I'm gonna enjoy. Uh, so you mentioned the legend Stan Winston. I mean, how many of his films? Uh, or his special effects and and makeup work and animatronic work and all that stuff, like how much did that form your childhood? Did it do as much as it did for me? Like, oh yeah, didn't he also do Pumpkinhead? <sighs> yeah, I, yeah, I feel like Stan Winston is forming my adulthood as well. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I I've always liked horror as a kid, but I didn't like fully start immersing myself into it until maybe like a year or so ago yeah so i'm still discovering a lot of like new to me horror that stuff from like the 70s and the 80s and i'm finding that a lot of the 80s like practical effects trash that i'm watching which is amazing (laughs) nine times out of ten either stan winston or rick baker Baker. had something to do with it (laughs) you can also see a lot of um signature styles which is yeah. You wouldn't think it would be a thing. But like Stan Winston, you see animatronics and really mm-hmm. perfected sculpting. Mm-hmm. Tom Savini, it's about the rawness and yeah. Tom Savini does was, a lot of like exploding body parts and like was he in sharp Vietnam? objects. He was in Vietnam, yeah. He was in Vietnam and then just became a special <laughs> effects person because yeah. he was like, That's not what dead people look like. Let me show you. <laughs> Let me show you what an exploding head looks like. Trevor, have a seat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yeah, because did Rick B- or sorry, uh, did Stan Winston do the Predator, or was that Rick Baker? Yes, I think uh, uh, Kurtzman worked was like a student or like a coworker of 
uh, Stan Winston. I believe so. And yeah. Stan Winston put together a lot of stuff like that. And then when, yeah. when you see Kurtzman doing stuff, it's all like, um, especially with like The Walking Dead, he loves like dangly bits. Yes. And like th- <laughs> he, you get that kind of like three dimensional effect. Like you, like if you look Walking Dead, like you can see the skull underneath that they've already made into a practical effect underneath the droopy skin. Yeah, the layers. Yeah, yeah, layers. Yeah, that uh, Walking Dead, the well walker is still like Ugh. to me one of the craziest. Like, like one of the craziest things that I, I I can't believe they put that on TV. Like in just in general. Like I was just like, wow, that was wild gross (laughs) all right here we go with another guy this is interesting eric tell us about audition oh my god okay so (laughs) evelyn (laughs) had a bad experience with this movie i'm gonna go take a walk um (laughs) it's rough it is Takashi, a rough movie. The director's name is Takashi Miike. He is just like more. He does like a film a year, sometimes two films a year, and he kind of lives or he did in that mid realm, mid budget world where you can kind of do whatever you want. Yeah. And so he adapted this novel into a film about it starts out you just it's about a guy who is a he works for like a um like a, a entertainment company and he's a widower and his mm-hmm. son's kind of grown up and his friends like, Hey buddy, you know what you got to do? You got to meet a girl. Well, how am I going to meet a girl? We'll hold a, f- this is, and this is very relevant. Yes. They hold a fake audition so that he can pick up an actress. So gross. And he's like, Oh, I don't know if I want to do that. But then he sees a girl he <laughs> likes and he's like, okay, let's do this thing. <laughs> I'll take that one. <laughs> and so he, he just he, scumbaggery. He picks up this girl. Turns out this girl's this woman is not who she seems to be. And the 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 end scene, the torture scene, which is not the grossest scene in that whole movie either. It's very, it is very um, uh, uh, triggering. Yes, he he delves into dark subjects all the time, like throughout his filmography. But the scene where she is basically like getting her revenge. It involves her putting acupuncture needles first into his chest. And this little, she, she is so gleeful in the way that she does it. And she makes this noise and she's just, and she just keeps doing it and doing it and doing it. And so he's just like in agony. She has numbed him she he can't move but he can feel everything that she's doing yes and then once she's done she just moves up sits on top of them driving them deeper and then starts doing it to his eyeballs no and i was like <laughs> and i'm just cringing i'm like it can't get much worse no <laughs> and he is having like hallucinatory episodes and it's just the movie is falling off a cliff and fast <laughs> When she pulls out piano wire, oh my god, and starts sawing his foot off, <laughs> and you don't see it, you see it go in, but you don't see the cut, and you just see her going like back and forth, back and forth, mm-hmm. and then you hear the piano wire 
sprung like yeah and she's done oh and that foot foot goes flying and hits a hits a glass door (laughs) and it is you i was i saw this in college because i was like i'm 18 now i can watch rated r movies and i was like i don't know if i should be watching this this seems like an adult movie this is a grown-up movie i shouldn't be watching a grown-up movie this was very much a grown-up movie i don't know if my mom signed off for this i should go stand in the other corner of my dorm room until this scene's done this is this is not what i signed up for thank god audition didn't have any dinosaurs in it because oh, no 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 i i i would have your mom would have put her foot i would down. insist no. that she she would call me <laughs> eric Barden, what are you doing <laughs> um, um yeah so this is like when did this come out um i'm gonna say late 90s early 2000s it must have been it was it looked like it was shot on uh like digital video yeah um it, yeah and it's a slow burn. Like it's a very slow burn. It's a slow. It's not even like a horror movie, really. It's just like it's a horrific movie. Yeah. Um. I, and by by the time you get to the end, I think Evelyn was just like, "Well, the ending was cool." It's just. <laughs> yeah, it was just. It was so slow, and like I'm fine with slow burns, but this one specifically, it, I just I really needed it to get to the point. Yeah. But once we got there that that last that end scene that eric described it was i feel like the most horrific part of it was the pacing it was just so slow and so agonizing (laughs) like i needed it to be over (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think what he does so well is he does all of those close-up shots of her like getting everything ready and like just the needles and stuff and you and just she is so clean like yeah. she's in a she's in a white dress uh-huh and she pulls up this like leather apron and she she has done this before like this is not her first rodeo it's yeah. also it's also a very intimate scene too like i remember saying to eric when this whole thing was going on like just pull the camera back a little bit i want to see a wide shot i want to see what's going on but i like after thinking about it for a little bit i was like no i feel like that was very deliberate yeah like the camera needed to be that close and we needed to like feel that agony and that tension and they also keep cutting back to her and him and her like having sex for the first time and how he knows he's he's been like lying to her this whole time and she and like it's it's this kind of like reversal of like um now she is in control about what's going on Mm-hmm. And it's it it's just it, it it's a lot it's a lot to process, um, it's just a lot to watch. Yeah, it's very heavy. <laughs> I I felt faint after the first time I watched it. <laughs> Let's all take a break and get a drink of water. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna watch it, just if, if I would never recommend that movie or any of his movies to anyone, but I I have to say that the. The whole sequence is one of my favorite sequences in all of horror. Even though I'm not the movie itself, it didn't hold up as much as I thought it would. But that last bit is just that's what you paid for. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fascinating. I think the again, kind of touching on camera work being just as important to a horrific moment, you know, like that's the thing. It was supposed to be kind of claustrophobic of like close and intense and like 
all that shit so that you just felt like you were being tortured too. <laughs> you were like, stop, stop it right now. <laughs> oh yeah, I felt it. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, if that movie came out now and women went and saw that, that I mean, standing ovations every <laughs> They're like, they're just like, this is great. All men deserve this shit. <laughs> uh, all right. So we have our last gag, which is Evelyn's Tell Me About the Howling. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I was going to sit back and listen. Oh, man. So, so the howling was one of those oldies but goodies that i just recently discovered mm-hmm. um i watched this movie maybe like what two weeks ago something like that and there's one scene in particular that i want to talk about and it's the transformation scene ah. and <laughs> when i saw this scene i immediately texted eric i was like oh my god i i have to email tommy i have to talk about this do you think it's too late can i talk about this i love it it is so the the practical effects in this movie were done by rob botten i think Mm -hmm. i'm saying his name right um it was actually supposed to be rick baker doing these special effects but he was pulled at the last minute to work on an american werewolf in london so they wow yeah, so they gave the job to Rob Botten, and they basically just gave him creative freedom to do the effects in this movie, which it freaking paid off because this transformation scene is probably one of the best things I've ever seen in horror so yeah. far. Yeah. Like, it it gets compared a lot to the transformation scene in American Werewolf, which is understandable. But the reason I love this scene a lot more is because with the transformation scene in American Werewolf, it's a real, it's a beautiful scene. Yeah. But I, f- I feel like it's a little bit more comical than the howling. Right. Like, like during that transformation scene, he's, he's screaming in pain, obviously. But the song that's playing in the back is Blue Moon, which, all right, we get it <laughs> a little on the nose. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a little bit more comical, which is fine, but with the howling, with this scene in particular, it's like a three or four minute transformation scene. It's all shot in real time. Yeah. It's all just prosthetic makeup and just like a mechanical, uh, wolf head. There's like little like air i think they're called air bladders or something that they put under the prosthetic makeup to make it look like his skin was bubbling yes and the entire scene it's just it's quiet like nobody's screaming the right before the transformation started they were having a very civil calm conversation and then the wolf, I, f- I forget the actor's name, but he like pulled something out of a wound in his head. I don't know what the fuck it was, but it was gross. And like the transformation just started. Wow. And like the, the whole time he's not screaming, he's just transforming into a werewolf. And the the woman that's watching him transform, she's not screaming either. She is just staring at him with genuine horror. For like this entire transformation sequence. Yeah. 
and it's honestly the greatest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, that was such a, like, man, that's such a stunning way of putting it. Like, you just, <laughs> you slide that. You slide oh, that. Thanks. Because, <laughs> because you're right. When you think about uh, transformation, werewolf transformation scenes, obviously everybody goes to an American werewolf in London. And so, yeah. and which is like, yes, as you said, it is very impressive. However, John Landis always wanted it to be funny. And so yeah. there had to be humor to the story because it was a, a horror comedy. And yeah. I totally get that. It, the The difference is that this is just straight up horror. And like, mm-hmm. it's interesting to play with the idea of somebody watching it happen and their reaction to it. When I was little, again, doll movies, toy movies, <laughs> and then werewolves. I could not handle <laughs> werewolf movies for some fucking reason. <laughs> I think it was because I loved dogs so much. <laughs> and just the thought of like a dog being bad was like, <laughs> like not good. What's for happening me? to this puppy? Someone help him. <laughs> We need to write a horror movie about a doll that turns into a wolf. (laughs) I'm going to find it. I love that idea, actually. (laughs) That's our gritty reboot of the Pound Puppy uh, franchise. Oh, Oh, no. Oh, my God. That would be incredible. That would be incredible. There actually was a... (laughs) There was a Pound Puppy movie. Uh, oh my god <laughs> called um it, it's like it was like a, a werewolf uh like story um and it was like big bone was his name or something which like crazy big bone excuse <laughs> but, me like <laughs> i used to watch it at my grandma's all the time when i was little <laughs> it was so much fun <laughs> it had a 50s rock and roll like score to it like motel how many times it, like, did they sing you ain't nothing but a hound dog <laughs> I think once. I think. I, yeah, that's know, all they could afford. That's that's, <laughs> that's a very expensive song. <laughs> they had to pull the movie. They're like, guys, did you realize we put we called him Big Bone? Yeah. <laughs> did y'all did y'all realize that? We thought you knew. No. Is, is that is that appropriate? Should we change it? Uh, it's too late now. We've recorded all the dialogue. <laughs> I guess we'll make a movie. Uh Oh my god, well this was incredible. Look at all of these. Oh my god, this is so cool because I I also just love practical effects. I love I love the effects that can last and are timeless. They can show a little bit of age, but it's still like the 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 effect it gives you is still there. And I think all of these are like perfect examples of all of those. And so this is mwah, chef kiss, these selections. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I, I feel like practical effects, I mean, obviously I'm I'm a horror junkie, but I feel like practical effects are super important when you're trying to yeah. set a certain type of mood in a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll take I'll take cheap practical effects over cheap CGI. Oh, one hundred percent. Like even even the worst practical effects will look so much more amazing over like okay CGI. Yeah, like, it's just yeah. like CGI has. I, I someone told me this. I don't know if it's true, but I buy it. Is that CGI has a five year 
span before it starts looking old. I if get you that, go yeah. back and look, if you go back and watch Toy Story, Aww. it's it's wild. It's wild to watch it now because it's like there's no detail to them. There's no like you're not you you're used to the move that they made with say the movie brave where you saw the hair like the like fur and like all that stuff and in toy story you go back and there's none of that detail there's no like extra layer it's very flat and it's like it's weird because you're like oh it's it's supposed to be in 3d or like three-dimensional but it just looks flat it almost looks like it's drawn it's crazy but, it's also yeah. so bizarre to think about how old Toy Story is. Isn't it, though? <laughs> like, like, how old am I? Yeah. Come on. And I keep on forgetting that it was in the 90s. Like, I'm like, oh, that's right. <laughs> like, oh, I- Toy Story didn't come out five years ago? What do you yeah. mean? <laughs> what? Or, or at least, like, but that would mean I'm third. Oh, uh-huh. no. <laughs> You at least thought that Toy Story was post Y2K, but I don't know. No, 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 no. (laughs) I guess not. Uh, I got to sit down because my back hurts. (laughs) I know. Yeah. It definitely, your age is, you know, uh, it's shown when you look up and watch an old movie like Toy Story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Toy Story is an old movie now, officially. It sucks. Or urban legend. <laughs> oh, God damn it. I can't think about America. that. <laughs> <laughs> One of those old movies, like the first Zombieland. Oh, it's oh a- my God. Wait, how <laughs> old is Zombieland? When did that come out? <laughs> that came out in 1943. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was based off of a Broadway play that was super <laughs> successful. And uh, it was part of Siegfried's Follies. Ugh. It, this it is was a zombie land. It was <laughs> a bunch of- Arthur Miller, right? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah. yeah. No, no I, I yeah, I remember watching Arthur Miller's American Pie, and that was just <laughs> <clears throat> it's really about the just the death of the of the middle class, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh well let's go ahead and add practical effects into our book of yes. <laughs> it's canon it's canonical it's in there yay oh my yay! god we love it we love it all right so to wrap up here let's go ahead and do our gags of the week so i'll go first my gag of the week in honor of halloween and this episode uh that inspired me to choose this but i just read a book recently uh for the first time ever i'm finally reading it's really (laughs) goosebumps yes it's goosebumps (laughs) oh the places you'll go So uh, I finished a book recently, and it's called The Lost Causes of Bleak Creek. And it is this, like, Spielbergian, like, kind of 80s 
uh, flavored like those movies that were quote unquote like kids movies, but they weren't. You were like, this is really dark for a kids <laughs> film, but it's about a town where there is a like a guy in the town who is like respected and stuff, and I think he's the sheriff, and so. He, like, everything, or no, he's not the sheriff, but, like, he's, like, a former sheriff or, like, something, and he's, like, a big deal in the town. And he he owns this school that bad kids go to. And they get, whenever something bad happens, those kids go there. And it's because he's, like, trying to fulfill this, like, prophecy. And so he's, like creating this cult amongst the adults in this town and they're sacrificing the children to like achieve this prophecy. And so it's wild, but it's a, it's super funny. It's really well written. It's a short book. So it's like a quick read, but like, it just gave me such like ET, like those kind of movies, like vibes. It's like stranger things, like just like, that kind of sci-fi 80s kind of vibe that I just, I love. So, The Lost Causes of Bleak Creek. Was this written by Rhett and Link? Um, <laughs> wait, two, did you say two names? Yeah. Yes, it's a duo that it's wrote It's a Good Mythical Morning. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I heard they wrote a book. I heard, I didn't hear anything about it, though. Yeah, it's it's super, super good. And, like... It's just like, of course, reading it now, I'm like, oh, these backwood adults are just following this one dude who's like saying these ridiculous things and they all take it as law and as truth and stuff. And I was like, hmm, I wonder why that registers with me right now. (laughs) But it's so good. I was adding it to my Amazon wish list as you guys were talking. So I'm excited to read it Beautiful. now. Beautiful. Oh, you're yes. going to love it. All right. I don't read it. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not a strong reader. You should try goosebumps. They're really good. <laughs> yeah. Goosebumps or, you know, fear street. Fear street is fear street? higher than my reading level. I oh, can't. I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, Nancy Pike. drew. The Hardy Boys. Those are too scary. <laughs> the Bobsy Twins. <laughs> that was. <laughs> are we gonna read Sweet Valley High? <laughs> yes. 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 Go 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 go. go. <laughs> I'm reading it right now. It's cheering me on. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. We just started watching him read, and we were like, "Yeah, this is a this is a very it. strange Twitch channel." I don't. <laughs> uh eric what's your gag of the week um i haven't watched it yet but i by the time this comes out i will have watched it and i'll say tammy and the t-rex oh you're gonna love oh it. my god <laughs> speaking of dinosaurs speaking of dinosaurs <laughs> speaking of, of uh, the history of film <laughs> tammy and the t-rex the only reason this movie exists is because someone showed an executive producer like in south america this t-rex robot and he was like well we gotta make a movie with that thing in it so he buys it and just like fellas this is the movie so like well what's the movie though this and so 
starring a very young Paul Walker. I think it's like his first movie role. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he is the boyfriend of uh, Denise Richards, who yes. plays Tammy. And Paul Walker's character dies, and his brain <laughs> is transplanted into the body of the T Rex. <laughs> It's so and sweet. they made a movie. Pure cinema gold. <laughs> um, so I am very excited to finally watch that. You've seen it. I've seen it several times. It's wonderful. Oh my I think God. we have it on Blu-ray. I do have it on Blu-ray. Oh, boy. I'm not trying to flex, but, <laughs> you know, watch those special features. <laughs> they have it on um, Showtime, and uh, they keep on... The Showtime app keeps on being like, you know, you want to watch this, and I'm like, <laughs> I know, on, Tommy. I know, I do. Yeah. But like, <laughs> all I've been, all I've been doing is like watching normal people, and oh. I just, I need to watch something that's not normal people. Oh my god! That so show. I, I just puts me in a bad mood. So I, just, <laughs> so I have to, I have to watch something that means nothing. <laughs> I, I agree. But the thing is, I will say this. I hate watching bad movies alone because I'm kind of same. Like, yeah, I mean, I'll do it, but yeah. it's so much more fun with someone yes. else because you want to like make sure that somebody else is around you to witness the absurdity. <laughs> yes, yes, and to be like this is this is bad, right? Like we're yeah. both- <laughs> <laughs> we started it, and the movie is called Tammy and the T Rex, <laughs> but the credit sequence says Tanny with an in and we're just like is this did we get the right movie why is yes. this have a different title well it's the in the title sequence it was tanny and the teenage t-rex yeah, yeah yes tanny and like, the teenage what, t-rex what is the name of this movie nobody uh, i don't knows. understand nobody knows i don't even think denise richards knows denise doesn't mm-hmm. even know what happened yesterday <laughs> she's she's never seen that movie let's be honest no she has she, not. Rem- she remembers wild things and forward she remembers nothing <laughs> before that she does like starship troopers she did talk about that i think yeah. on an episode of real oh, that- beverly hills <laughs> i love starship Troopers. oh it's so good want to know more talk about a movie that like i think when it came out i just think i was like oh we weren't ready for this like oh tommy it's so i've good. seen all the starship troopers oh, boy. <laughs> eventually it takes a weird christian turn oh no, oh, no. <laughs> and i could not tell you why I think Casper Van Dien, who's the only one who has stuck around, yes. must have been born again or something. I think he is famously a born again. Like, yes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he just kind of Kurt Cameron it a yes. little bit. <laughs> and he was just like, well, fellas, you know who the, what we, the direction we have to take this. And we're like, I guess so, Casper. I mean. Oh, uh, Casper, I guess. I- <laughs> But Paula Verhoeven must be so happy that that's the case. <laughs> he probably is like, great, thanks for taking my movie and making it <laughs> cool. into into something that's shown at mega churches. <laughs> How much are you paying me? Sure, yeah, sure. I'll take that I mean, check. Why yeah, not? whatever. <laughs> Literally just throwing his hands up in defeat. <laughs> Casper did what? Sure. <laughs> Casper, Casper, come on now. <laughs> Evelyn, what is your gag of the week? So, um, I, I'm going to call it a little early on this one, but uh, 
Eric and I, he said earlier, he mentioned earlier, we started watching The Haunting of Bly Manor. Uh-huh. Um, we are one episode in, and we started the second episode, but then we needed coffee to prep. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm pretty sure this is going to be my gag for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's... Like Eric said earlier, it's I'm not the biggest fl- fan of uh, Mike Flanagan, I believe that's his name, yeah, yeah. Um, who is the director and he wrote the script for this. I'm not the biggest fan of his movies, but I thought The Haunting of Hill House was so beautiful and so brilliantly done, Yeah, and it's probably one of my favorite ghost stories like of all time. Yeah. And with this one, I feel like he's... Set- I don't exactly know what he's setting up, but I feel like he's setting his viewers up for a lot of really spooky, ghosty, creepy moments. And it it's just from like really subtle stuff, like fi- like dark figures that you're seeing in the background of shots in the shadows. And it's just, it, I, I feel like this is going to be, considering it's the same cast from Haunting of Hill House, I feel like this is going to be what American Horror Story should have been. Right. And they're just going to do it so much better. And I'm so excited for this season. And it's like they have to stick in with supernatural kind of things because that's what they established. You know, it's Mm -hmm. about haunting. And so that way there's like a kind of skeleton to it and how it has to run. So yeah, I agree. I think it's like correcting the path of American horror story. Yes. Yeah. 100%. I feel like at, at a certain point, American horror story was just all about shock value. Yes. And there was no like sentiment behind any of it. No. With, with haunting of Hill house, like obviously you have those jump scares and you have those really scary moments But essentially, it's about a family that's, like, grieving and, like, they're dealing with their grief in different ways. And there's so much fucking heart to that show. Yeah. And I I feel like, well, I really hope that they're just going to keep that theme going throughout the future seasons because it. Haunting of Hill House was just so brilliant. I'll be bold enough to say it was brilliant. I Uh. freaking loved it. I I did really enjoy the series and I'm uh I'm excited to to watch this next one but it took me a while to get through uh Hell House cuz I was you know scared but <laughs> <laughs> I was scared I was scared <laughs> John, I was a little scared boy <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness there were no dinosaurs <laughs> I would be really skilled. <laughs> You're never going to live that down. Look, you know, we all come to terms with our the fears of our childhood. Uh, uh, my Mine is ghost dinosaurs. <laughs> if I'm ever haunted by a dinosaur, uh, I think that would just be it for me. Nah, I'm no. done. <laughs> there are, Eric, listen, there are movies that I still haven't seen or watched ever again, just because the first time I watched it as a child, it scared me. And I've never seen them ever, ever again, because I'm still like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to mess <laughs> no, with no, that. No. <laughs> like, and they're the stupidest movies. Did you ever see Rescuers Down Under? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. With Joanna, the egg stealing lizard? Yes. <laughs> Fuck that bitch. She, <laughs> like, 
she had no right. That was that was um, Patton, uh, George um, uh, uh, C. Scott, George C. Yeah. Scott, yeah, George C. Scott. Oh, it was. But the moment, what's, that, wait, what scared you? The kid when he falls into the trap, into the hole, and it's kind of quiet, and he's like, he's first yelling for help, and it's really quiet. And he's like laying there or standing down there. And then all of a sudden, fucking Joanne pops out of nowhere. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> and like, and I, as a kid, was just like, I'm done with this movie. I don't want to like, fuck this lizard. Fuck everything. I'm going home. <laughs> fuck. Back in the clamshell you go, VHS. <laughs> no, thank you. Not today. And it made that classic opening sound that all clamshells made that like snap. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, this was wonderful. This was such a like beautiful march down nostalgia lane here. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, this this was super fun. And also, I have to say, I love your podcast so much. (laughs) It is it is so fun and funny and just genuinely uplifting. And I I love the fact that you highlight a different charity at the top of every episode. I think this podcast is exactly what the world needs right now because everyone is just in a poopy mood all the time. And (laughs) what you're doing with this podcast is honestly just so wonderful. I love it. That's so sweet. Oh my God. Don't cry. I I won't. I won't. I I can't. I won't. (laughs) No, uh, (laughs) thank you so much. But truly to you two, because you all like gave me the kick in the pants I needed to make this. Because after Aww. I recorded the episode with you two, I was just like, oh man, I love doing this. And I love like being on a podcast and like having these conversations, no matter how serious or how silly they are. So I, you all, you all hey, Tommy, deserve not to as blow much. Sm- not to blow smoke up your ass, but your episode is our most downloaded episode. Oh, really? That's true. That's true. Wow. <laughs> well, then. <laughs> well, okay. Well, <laughs> oh. we'll bring you back on for High School Musical 3. Oh, they're finally graduating. Senior year. Senior finally. year. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Maybe Ryan will finally come out of the closet. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Probably One not. can only hope. <laughs> <laughs> so, where obviously they can download the D word on all the like podcast apps and everything. Is there a website or uh, how about an Instagram handle that everybody can follow at D word pod. That's at D word pod. Yeah, no, no website just yet. I don't know when or if we'll have a website. We're just kind of, <laughs> we're, we're still kind of figuring things out with the actual podcast. So it's, we'll let you guys know. <laughs> it's fun. You're getting, I, I love the different uh, sound effects that are coming in and the sound cues <laughs> and stuff. I was obsessed with it. They have the, best halloween theme going on as far as the music and everything oh it's so good and oh, that that was all eric he's our he's our sound <laughs> guy <laughs> i just imagine eric kind of like ross was in friends with his like <laughs> with his Casio. that's yes. very you're not wrong <laughs> yeah you're honestly not far off <laughs> the other day i was laughing out loud i was like uh 
Evelyn, like, look, I can make like '90s music on the. Uh, it was like, dan, da, dan, da, dan, da, dan, da, dan, da, dan, da, da. look, we could do that now. Like she's playing like, okay, his little synthesizer. Okay. Like, oh god, here we go. <laughs> she's like, okay, thank you. <laughs> I'm she's done like, with yeah, the podcast. That sounds great, sweetie. Okay, just let me know when it's done. <laughs> but uh, I can make sandstorm. I know it's fine. It's fine. Ah, <laughs> uh, marry the life, huh? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you both so much for coming on. Everybody go download and subscribe to the D Word podcast. Do it, do it now. Thank you. Thank you both so much. And to everybody else, hey, go vote and keep on gagging. (laughs) (laughs) An Absolute Gag is produced and edited by me. Cover art provided by Grace Greenwood at 1310 Studios. Follow her on Instagram at 1310 underscore studios or visit their website at www.1310 spelled out studios.com. Music provided by Vivera. Find them on Spotify and iTunes. Rate and subscribe to the podcast on all podcatcher apps, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow the pod on Instagram and Twitter at an absolute gag pod. Thanks for listening. Now pump it, queens. Pump it, queens.